Welcome into another edition of the Owen Show. I'm your host Owen Burke, joined as always by Tim Hunt. Coming off, we got a late night show tonight. Yeah, I know we did. We did a no sleep one. Now we're doing a late night. Now we're one. just doing a late night, sacrificing sleep for tomorrow. Any anything we got to do to grind out this podcast, we're all about. Yeah, we're gonna get it done regardless. So, have quite a bit to talk about today. We had it's a great week of football. It just is. I wish we could go through every game. I think we're going to eventually, but we got to figure out a better way to do it. Yeah, we're we're trying to be different and unique and not copy everyone else's style. So we're gonna, we're going to figure a way out. Maybe yeah. we'll we'll keep it fresh though. Yeah, that is the goal is to hopefully get a chance to where we can at least like give one thought about each game. But we got to figure out a creative way to do it because somebody out there. As I thought of the idea, Tim's like, no, somebody already does that. And I'm like, gosh darn it, of course he does. Because why wouldn't he? You're right. There's no such thing as an original good idea at this point. We, been, we'll find it. We'll find one. We'll find it. It's just going gonna, gonna to take a lot more time than the 30 seconds I spent on the couch just now doing it. So before we get into today's show, uh, quick ad for you guys. Uh, the saga continues. Season 2 of the Wu-Tang and American Saga is now streaming on Hulu. On their way to the top, a fracture within the clan is starting to appear. The Wu-Tang Clan will have to overcome even more obstacles, odds, and past beef if they are to come together to create their iconic album, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Stream Season 2 now only on Hulu. Who's got live sports? Who's got Wu-Tang? They got it all, man. Just sign up. Easy to do, obviously, on their website. Download the app. Stream it from your phone, computer, TV, Apple TV, whatever you got. It's there. So, also a big shout-out to the fans, obviously, as you guys... Uh, Every single week, you guys show out, giving us fan questions, giving us things to talk about, things you guys want to hear. So uh, a lot of love out to you guys for that, and keep the questions coming, man. We'll keep answering them. We do have a couple fan questions today. Um, Our first one comes to us from Miles uh, from Atlanta. He said, what are your thoughts on Kyrie and him possibly not being able to play home games in Brooklyn? So, so he's not vaccinated. Yeah, there's two. There's two people that are kind of in the news for this right now. It's Kyrie, and then it's Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Um, both both cities right now have mandates on the amount of people that can be indoors, and if you're not vaccinated, you can't participate. So yeah. Kyrie and Andrew Wiggins might not be able to play any of their home games this year, which, which is definitely an issue. I think it's more of an issue for for the Nets, obviously, than it is the Warriors. Um, I don't know. Well, because you got to think. So that's at least 41 games. Are we doing these? Did they decide to go back to an 82 games? Yes, I, I believe mean, so. Yeah. Okay, so if we're in an 82-game season, that's 41 games you're already out of, right out the gate. And then on top of that, there are the couple games where you're going to be like, when Golden State goes to Brooklyn, you're not going to be able to play in that play game Play that either. game. When so Brooklyn the, plays the Knicks. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be missing over half the games to start with. And those are just the cities so far that have done that. Like, I would be surprised if L.A. probably isn't far behind on something Mm -hmm. like that, too. Which is, it's it's a weird thing because, like, it could get more restricted going forward. Like, there could be a chance where he plays 10 to 20 games because so many cities go locked down. But at the same time, you can see a lot of cities lighten up to where he plays. And, I mean, once the the right city lightens up, obviously that opens up half your season if, if New York was to do it. But I don't know. Like... I mean, we're both vaccinated. Yeah. Shay and Sam are both vaccinated. I believe Sam is. I'm not 100% certain on that. But, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I think one of the big things that, like, people forget is, like, you know, whenever whenever someone struggles with the media, we say, well, it's part of the job. Yeah. I think vaccination is slowly becoming, as a professional athlete, part of the job there. 
Um, so I think he has somewhat of a responsibility to the team. Uh, I get that, like, you know, there's hesitation around it and people mm-hmm. are calling it a personal choice and things yeah. like that. The NBA doesn't care because the NBA is not going to do a bubble because they want to sell tickets. Yeah, exactly. And it's all driven by money, and they're not going to respect anyone's – they're not going to care because money makes those decisions. Yeah, and as mad as people might get about it, it's the same thing as us having to wear a mask when we go to work. Right. Like, if, if I didn't want to wear a mask, I would have to not go to work, you know, so – it's just one of those things of, like, it's in the bigger spotlight, so I think people are kind of blowing it out of proportions a little bit. Um, but it, in my personal opinion, which, again, like, it is a little bit of a personal choice more than anything, but I think you got to get it done. Like, he, he, I think they're both trying to say, like, it's a religious thing, like, that the vaccine is like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. I really don't. The, like, pro- the problem is, is, is the vaccine has become so politicized that it's tough to balance whether it actually is going to be something that's, you know, it, we're a sports podcast, and so we really, you know, probably don't want to dive too deep into the political side of things. Yeah. So it's it's a tough question to ask. As a sports fan, I wish, um, I, I would hope all of my players and everything like that are going to get vaccinated and, and do what's best for the team. Yeah. Now, if they choose not to, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't control them. I'm just a fan of the sport. Exactly. So. Yeah. I'm not even – now, if I was in the front office, I obviously have a little bit more pull in the long run. But it's – I wish you would get vaccinated. I think you're kind of taking away from the fans that are going to a lot of the home games. They um, – that are paying to see you, you know, that's, that's an issue for them in the long run too. You know, like why buy season tickets to the Nets at home when I can't see my second, third best player play at all. Kyrie Irving has to sit out every game. That sucks. And it's going to hurt the team in the long run too. So I don't know. I think I'm curious to see if it divides the team at all. Cause I think that could be a big issue going forward as well. Like I know if I was Kevin Durant, I'd be pretty upset at this point. Like, I, I think with, Football, we've seen it divide some teams slightly, yeah, and that's less of a star-driven league, yeah. whereas basketball is going to be very star-driven, and it's all about the superstars, so I would be shocked if they don't, you know what I mean, view it in some kind of way. Yeah. I think it is going to probably divide some teams and, and make some people a little bit upset, you know what I mean, about what's happening. So. Yeah. So, I mean, bottom line, I, I think he should get vaccinated. I think it's an issue that he's not... I get that it's a personal choice, but if you make $35 million to play basketball and your basketball team says you have to get vaccinated to play at home games, I think that's part of the job. It's the same thing as me having to wear a mask at work. If I was employed at, say I was employed at Amazon and they forced me to get vaccinated, well, I have to find a new job. Right. So, I mean, and Kyrie Irving has plenty of money to where if he decided that this was like the line for him and he was just going to retire, I think you're walking away from the game early. You wouldn't be the first player to do it. You have enough money to live on for generations at this point, signing that deal already. So I think it's kind of uh, sucks for KD and Harden at that point. But right. he he has all the options in the world. Yeah. So as much as I think he should do this or should do that, he's got multiple options and he's going to be fine any way he looks at this point. Yeah, that's, so, that's a tough one to tackle for sure. Yeah, it definitely is not – an easy question to answer, but I do like it because it. I feel like we haven't got a chance to talk about it either on BDL or here. So, our second question comes from us from Justin in Memphis today. 
Um, he said, hey, Owen, love your show. And and uh, also love Shea Show one of one. Gets me through my work days and my workouts. Uh, shout out to Tim as well. Um, I'm from Memphis, and I met Shea a while ago, and I know Shea's fully on board with the Grizzlies. What is your take on the Grizz and Jaw calling himself a top five point guard in today's game? So, Shea does love Joe Morant. It's been a very well-known fact amongst BDL and our fans now that John Morant has developed himself into probably Shea's third favorite player. I don't believe he's the top five point guard in the game. He's very good. He's a young and up-and-coming guy. But there's just too many guys at the position right now. I'm, I'm looking at Steph. I'm looking at Dame, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving. If you want to count James Harden as a one. Right. That's that's my biggest issue with this problem of saying, like, who's a top five point guard? Yeah. Because it's like... We're moving towards positionless basketball. basketball. Yeah. I would I would argue Luka would probably be more of a... like Considered a point guard? Yeah. For yeah. how ball dominant most of these guys have become, it's like, is LeBron James technically a point guard? Yeah. I, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I would agree, yeah. So that's a really tough one. Would I say he's, like, one of the top five up-and-coming guards? Absolutely. Oh, when I'm looking at, like, top five... Under twenty five, yes, hundred percent. He is in that conversation, but there's it's. I think the league is more talented now than it arguably has ever been. Honestly, I think it's up there. I wouldn't say maybe ever, but there's so much talent in this league. When you look at when you look at like the tenth or twelfth. Well, I wouldn't say point guard's the most deep position in the league, anyways. Like shooting guard, small forward, probably yeah. one of those two. Um, yeah, I. I mean. I think it's cool because we're at a transition point in the league, so we yeah. still have these old stars. And it's so weird to say LeBron James is an old star, but yeah, he is. He is. That's the definition right now. Right. And and we have a lot of the young guys, you know, Luca, Ja, Trey Young. We, yeah. we have a lot of people that are up and coming, so it's it's cool to see the combination right now that we have. And not a lot of players are kind of in that middle age right now. Yeah, there's. I feel like you're either 22 or you're 35. Right. Like, there's not a 27 year old that's really good. There's. I mean, like, I think Dame's 29. Right. There's I some think guys. Steph's that, 31. I think Kawhi's like in that realm. Too. Yeah, 29 to 31. Range, Jimmy Butler's yeah. like. I feel like there's those three years, 29, 30, and 31. I feel like half the league is right there. Right. Yeah. Where we're gonna see a massive turnover here in the next six to seven. So as far as Jaw going forward, I think he's definitely top 15. Off the top of my head, maybe like top 12, but I'm thinking of all the guys we listed, we named six or seven guys. You added Trey Young there. Yeah. So I don't think he's top five, but I think he's on his way. Are you saying you wouldn't take, you would take Trey Young over John Morant right now? Right now, yes. Oh, you're crazy. No way. Right now, yes. No shot. Okay. No shot. Mr. New York. No shot. I would take John Morant. Well, Shay will like that. I'm sure he's going to. I mean, he's right. He's going to text me about that, but I don't know. I mean that's definitely closer than obviously other ones would be, but yeah, I'm not taking him. I'm taking Steph Curry or Luca like over yeah. Jaw, but like I I think Jaw plays the position in such a way that he is going to be a superstar. He's going to develop 100%. more and more. Hundred percent. The big question for him, kind of like developing, is the team around him. Yeah, is the West is so strong right now to get a relevant point and be kind of a superstar? You have to have a prevalent team. And the Grizzlies are not that right now. They just are. Uh, I don't think they. They probably won't be able to build a team around him. I'd be surprised. But yeah, they they've got some decent pieces. Jaron Jackson has had his injury issues. I like him a lot, but he's had his injury issues. Dylan Brooks is kind of a role player. The issue is like I think they're a superstar away, and the question is, can they hold the two that they have and develop them into what they should be, and add the third guy? It's a lot of what ifs for yeah. the Grizzlies going forward. So. Uh, Two more questions. I do have two more. So this third one 
comes from surprisingly Tim here in yeah. Manhattan. Not are me, you sure by the you way. didn't? Yeah, are you sure? not me. Okay, just making sure. I just had to ask. So, um, hey Owen, my question is: What is one team in the NFL or the NBA that you often forget about? Like they're just a bad team or kind of off your radar? Also, Tim uh, Shea showed me your show, and I'm also a big fan of Tim for sure. So, Tim on Tim Love. How about yeah, that? Yeah, Tim's got to stick together here. Yeah, that's true. This is a tough question too because we, we talked about this a little bit before the show, yeah. and we do this a lot where we have to catch ourselves talking about something without it being recording. And I do want to let you know that this has been this is my problem for like five years now. Mm-hmm. Me, me and Bryce used to do this all the time. Me and Tyler used to do this. So this is the thing I do a lot. It's not just you and me, but this is a tough question to answer for two guys that are as heavy into sports as we are. Yeah, even the the bad teams are fun to look at. I don't think, like, the NFL, it's impossible. The, the closest thing that comes to mind would be, like, maybe the Browns five years ago. Yeah, maybe the Rams if they weren't weren't good, or the Chargers if they weren't good. Because yeah. they've always had their fan attendance issues. But Chargers, I, like, when they had Phillip Rivers, they were interesting. The Browns, yeah. when they drafted Johnny Menzel, they got interesting. For a half a year, yeah. That year that they had, like, Deshaun Kaiser starting, they probably, excuse me, probably weren't on my radar. I think the Jets and the Giants definitely would be there if they weren't in New York. Right, that's um, the but par- major markets. Jacksonville, maybe, but it's always like I said, it's fun to watch a dumpster fire every once in a while. It is. So it's hard to it's the hard N- to lose a team. The NFL, in the you really don't lose focus on a team because the fun part about the NFL is at the start of every year, every team. Oh, this is the year. This is the year they finally yeah. turn it around. They finally get it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. The Lions would probably be the one, but again, they had Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson yeah. for a lot of years. They have like every team has somebody that you're like. Everybody, every every team is a blind squirrel, and they find a nut. And you're like, man, you gotta watch Calvin Johnson when he's in his prime. Yeah, even 100%. though they they didn't make the playoffs all those years, you still were watching. Yeah, and again, even for the Lions as a whole, like who doesn't love watching a team that has? I don't think they've probably touched twelve wins in their franchise's history. So like, and they probably hit I'd probably ten or eleven with Stafford a couple times. Yeah, but outside of that. 0-16, they've been here before. So it's like, when are they going to figure it out? Right. So they're always going to be a storyline in that respect going forward as well. Basketball, I think we decided on, like, there was a couple. For me, I always forget the Sacramento Kings exist. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I think the Kings are like the Pelicans if they didn't draft well. Yeah, pretty much. Which, well, and they have, they have like, De'Aaron Fox is great. Buddy Heal is great. They traded for Buddy Heal, yeah. But that team somehow always feels irrelevant somehow. Agreed, yeah. Besides, like, the Ben Simmons talks, which I think is an amazing fit. Being the fourth team in California probably doesn't help you at all along yeah. the way. I'm surprised that they've never relocated. I think it's shocking to me that they're still there after all this time. I would say the Clippers for a long time. Bef- Up pre- until the pre- last two years. And no, even pre for Lob City for me. Yeah, Lob City, that's true. Before that, they really, I like in my memory, I don't ever remember. I mean, they had Elton Brand for a while. Who was, was a big name. But yeah, sure. not, not a big Like name. I said, the Pelicans would be there, but they're always in the media because like they always have good players, but they never do anything. Anthony Davis, now Zion's feeling that Yeah, effect. they robbed Zion from the Knicks. That the one Hornets, draft. yeah. yeah. Oh, I still Hornets, have, that's a good one. The Hornets is definitely one up there. I feel like they would get no love if MJ didn't own the team. I didn't, you brought up this question, I didn't even think of the Hornets. That's, that's <laughs> how you know that that's the right answer going <laughs> forward. But, yeah, I still have, like, because I was definitely still a Knicks fan when the whole Zion, KD, Kyrie thing was happening. Mm-hmm. I definitely still have a Photoshop screenshot of those three in Knicks jerseys. And every single time I scroll through my photos and see it, I 
cry a little bit on the inside. I only buy 2K every year to sign every free agent to the Knicks and then be like, oh my gosh, we're finally going to be relevant. This is what they're going to do next yeah, year. Exactly. This is what I would do if I was a GM, yeah. and then none of it, it happens. It never happens. I think that's why NBA 2K20 will be, always be my favorite game because that free agent class was flush. Stacked. So I'm always Stacked. able to just build a dominant. You might be able to get it this year because, what, Giannis is probably hitting free agency this year. I think there's a couple guys. This free agent class might be good. Well, but they always do it the guys that were free agents going year, into the year. Yeah, going and, into the year. And I don't think there was anyone super interesting. So you'll all, you all have to wait for 2K23. Yeah, Next year's your year. Yeah, yeah. All right. Last fan question we have comes from my buddy Matty C out in California. So shout out to Matt. Um, his question was, um, after some impressive wins this past weekend, who is the team to beat in the NFC and the AFC right now? We are definitely going to touch on the NFC in a little bit and pump your brakes. So we're okay. gonna, we're going to hold off on answering that one. Okay. Uh, and the AFC right now—that's such a tough question. It is. There's a lot of teams that are really good, but n- not as many teams that are amazing. I would say the AFC is deeper than the NFC right now. I like, agree. As far as like the middle class of teams go. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that are going to make the wild card that you're like, if they made the Super Bowl, it wouldn't be insane. Yeah. But there isn't, like, besides, like, maybe the Chiefs and Bills, I know those names get brought up a lot. The The Browns. Browns. Yeah, I think the Browns have solidified themselves. I don't know who they've played through the first couple weeks. I I would say for me it would be the Bills right now. I mean, judging off of – I mean, we've seen the Chiefs get beat twice now. Yeah. And not – Surprising losses. Yeah, not in great fashion either. Uh, the Bills had that one really bad loss to Pittsburgh, but that kind of was an anomaly. It, it was a, yeah, it was a blocked punt return for a touchdown. We've seen Pittsburgh since that. That obviously was a fluke win over right. Buffalo, which I had so much fun after I saw so many Steelers fans were like, "Ah, oh, we told you we're going to be fine. We beat Buffalo, and now looking on, I'm like, we're going to sure? ta- talk about the Steelers a little bit later exactly. too. The Browns have beaten the Texans and the Bears so far, right? So yeah, and it was Justin Fields in his first start and the Texans, and they played the Chiefs well too. So like, we yeah, it was thirty three twenty nine. You know, Patty did his thing in the fourth quarter. That's what lost in that game. It's hard so. to say the Browns are the team to beat when they didn't beat last year's Super Bowl rep- representative in the AFC. So yeah. to me, it doesn't. It's the AFC is the toughest one to probably pin one team on. I think as the weeks go on, I think we'll see somebody kind of emerge from that pile. Yeah. And I think some of the teams that are struggling right now, like the Chiefs, for example, I think they're going to pull it together at some point. Yeah, at least enough to make a run. Yeah. Like maybe not be the one seed, but they're definitely going to make a run. Yeah. So that does it for our fan questions. So Those were some some great fan questions. I like those. Yeah, yeah, keep keep, them coming. keep Keep them coming to us. So We will keep answering them as long as you guys are sending them to us. So... After fan questions, you know, a little recap for week three. Talk about the games we previewed. We just added one this week. We added one this week. Yep. All righty. So what are we starting with? Uh, let's start out with the Eagles and Cowboys. That was Monday Night Football. Most recent on the brain. I was, of course, I was at work per usual. Um, I did see a little bit on the front TVs. I was able to watch some highlights. From everything I saw, it was just Cowboys were on the gas in all assets of the game, and I think. Jalen Hurts was pressing the Cowboys, the Cowboys gas pedal through a lot of the game as well. Yeah, like, he did not like he accelerated the Cowboys. If anything, going through that game, I promise this isn't a Cowboys like fan channel. It feels like it's become that. Yeah, I would I would say this. Um, I feel like an idiot for my Eagles take that I kind of like I jumped on their bandwagon a little bit early. A little bit, yeah. Um, not looking so hot there. 
Well, I mean, they're still, what are they, 2-1 and one now? Or do they drop to 1-2? and two? I think they're 1-2. and Because they beat, no, they lost to the Niners. Yes, yeah, you're right. they did, yeah. So they, one they're 1-2. and two. So still, two quality losses, two tough yeah. teams to lose to. So I don't think you're super out there, but I do think you hopped it a little early. Yeah, I think maybe you, maybe you jumped on the train, should have tried to walk on it. You yeah. were like, "I'm, we're sending." <laughs> it probably wasn't moving that fast. Yeah, for for me, I think for the Cowboys, one, I think it's your biggest threat in the NFC East. So I think it, it puts you at a good feeling of okay, within our division, we are still definitely the best team. Yeah, um, I think for the Eagles, you know, first year head coach Jalen Hurts is still looks like he still kind of needs some help getting his bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not a good look for the Eagles. If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm not feeling amazing not right now. Yeah, Not happy at all. Because I think, obviously, every division game is important. That division, I think, is the most important to win your division games. Those are the games that the Cowboys have to win. Yeah. Because it doesn't – if you drop a game to the Chiefs or the Browns or even, like, the Rams or the Bucks, I'm okay with that. Right. But, like, I cannot lose games to the Giants, the Eagles, or the football team. I cannot lose these games because it will drop you in the seedings, first of all. And all three of those teams you should be able to beat pretty handedly. None of these teams are going to go out and get a wild card spot, I would say. Yeah. So you have to really win your division games to be first in your division. Agreed, is, yeah. is really what comes that division comes down to. Because if you lose this game, you know, you lose this game and you drop a game to the Jets. Say you split. You go three and three. But then you also drop the game to the Rams, to the Bucks, and the Chiefs. Yeah. Now you're sitting at nine and eight and we're in the same spot we always are as Cowboys fans. Yeah. Not us specifically, but... Closeted Cowboys fan over here. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see going forward if, like, this was the fluke game for Jalen Hurts or if weeks one and two were kind of the fluke because he looked good. Through two weeks, I'm like, I was wrong. This is the Jalen Hurts that I was assuming I was going to see to start the year. So I'm curious to see if that was the fluke game for him. And also, the Cowboys defense, I had one of my buddies as a Cowboys fan try to tell me that they were a top five defense after the game. I was like, Jalen Hurts handed you two of those picks. Like, easily, like, I could have intercepted those passes. The, the, the one thing I will say about the Cowboys defense, and we kind of talked about this week one, it is getting better. Mm-hmm. It's definitely better than last year, and they are improving from where they started on yeah. this year. I think they have more talent. I think that's been the key. Like they've really never had a good scheme, but then they've also not had good talent. So it's like a really like it's a recipe for the worst case possible. I have Micah Parsons, who's who's better. It's funny that. DeMarcus Lawrence got hurt, and they've somehow stepped up in the, the pass rush game now yeah. all of a sudden. Their corners are playing together. It They're feel, playing it, together Yeah, is the thing. It feels like a defense that's meant to bend but not break. Yeah. So it's maybe isn't going to win them a lot of games, but it's probably not going to lose them a ton of games. With their offense, it should. it's exactly what you need. Right. I don't need you to go out here and hold them to under seven points. I need you to hold them under 21, and we'll go put up 35, and we'll win the game. Yeah. That's exactly what I need. And that's what it feels like the NFL is becoming, is if you can't score 30 points, you're not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, it is. It, unless you have that top-tier defense that's going to go hold a team to under 21 and hold them around that 14 mark, you're, you're kind of... You gotta aim for that twenty-one mark as an offense and go over it, and you have to try to hold the other team under twenty-one. That's to me, that's really kind of the threshold at this point. What's next? What are we got next? Next game we got is Packers and 49ers. I don't know. I didn't write these in any particular order here, but that was moving back. Now we're on Sunday night football. Football, yeah. Prime time. When we say like this is a good week for football, this is I think the game that everybody kind of yeah. goes to. There was a lot of moments. Like, all-time moments that happened this week. Yeah. 
so like Madden moments, like there's going to be a couple from this game. Oh potentially. yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You like these? You got some mutt challenges coming from this game and probably the Ravens game too, which I think the Ravens game will be harder to complete, but we'll get there in the long run. So with this one, I mean, obviously week one was the fluke for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, um, absolutely. He's still, still that guy. I, it's just. I think we, we we talk about this a lot, and I think this is this sums up the the Packers offense is three people. It is Aaron Rodgers, it is Aaron Jones, and it is Devontae Adams. Yeah. And outside of those three guys, it's a whole lot of like okay at best. Yeah. If you as long as you got five offensive line that are keep Aaron Rodgers on their feet and clear at least some type of gaps for Aaron Jones, you're fine. Those three guys are all I need going forward. Um, I think the the committee of running backs, healthy or not, for the Niners is really killing their offense at this point. Yeah. Trey Sermon couldn't really get it going. Elijah Mitchell's still banged up. Um, I remember even who their third string running back is off the top of my head. So, like, they're just – they're down bad worse than the Ravens are, honestly, in this long run because they don't have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and they don't they don't have a dynamic quarterback that can make up for that in the yeah. running game. So I, I at the long run, it really really hurts that team because it without like it's a run heavy team to start with. So like losing your run game kills you. Now, like you said, if you have a dynamic quarterback that can make it up, if this was Trey Lance three years from now, what he should be if they can develop him the right way, they'd be fine. Right. The issue is is it's not. You have Jimmy Garoppolo back there. And if this offense turns one-dimensional and you have to throw the ball 40 to 50 times like he did, you're not going to win a lot of games. Jimmy Garoppolo is really successful throwing the ball when he has that, you know, the play action and, and he's able to, you know what I mean, have other elements. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, like people peg him as this offensive genius, and he is, but it's really a basic West Coast style of yeah. establish the run, have the run constantly be a threat, and then kind of make things happen around it. Make things it. happen around it, yeah. Whereas exactly. I think Sean McVay is a little bit better, like when it's scheming just pure pass plays and things like that. Yeah, um, that would be the only knock I ever have on Kyle Shanahan, and I would say Matt Lafleur, who is a disciple of this kind of offense style, uh, looked like he outcoached him. It it felt like bit. the Packers looked like a better prepared team this week. Yeah, um, and obviously, like the Niners don't have a star studded secondary by any stretch of the word, and I could Devonte Adams just ate him alive. It reminded me, I've seen that exact, how that game ended, not the field goal to win it, but that last drive, actually no, exactly, it was like, it was Baltimore, Vegas, was that week one or was that week, that was week one. Yeah. I saw the same thing. Brian Edwards, who Derek Carr said reminds him of Devontae Adams at Fresno State, comes over the middle, catches a ball, they spike it, get another catch over the middle, spike it, kick a field goal to go to overtime last night. Two throws to Devontae Adams, get him into field goal range. Mason Crosby wins the game. If I'm a 49ers fan, the thing that frustrates me the most about that last drive is you have to do one of two things. Either blitz to put pressure on Rodgers or take away Devontae Adams. Yeah. And they did neither. neither. They dropped into prevent like they needed a touchdown. Right. and like you, They need three points. You have to hold them out of field goal range, not hold them out of the end zone. Yeah, that, that, didn't, feel, that didn't feel amazing to me. Yeah, the I thing think, I would worry about as a Packers fan is a better team with, with a legit corner is going to shut down your best option. Your game against the Rams is in jeopardy there. Yes. Because Jalen Ramsey is on Devontae Adams. And probably getting doubled. Yeah, and getting doubled. And Aaron I know Donald's Aaron Donald's getting, yes. even on a three-man rush, yep. I've got pressure. 
So that is, yeah, that's a great point. I 100% agree with that. Next up. Uh, Bucks and Rams. So now we're going early Sunday game. Early Sunday game. I, As good as the two games were, I really do think this should have been a primetime game. Like I think if we shuffled the Eagles and Cowboys to a 3 o'clock slot, slide everything down, put the Packers and Niners on Monday night, and do Sunday night football, Rams-Bucks, it would have been perfect. Perfect. Um, I think the biggest thing that jumps out when I look at the box score alone, Tom Brady cannot be your leading rusher. No, no, that's a bad. <laughs> he side. led the he led the Buccaneers in rushing three carries for fourteen yards. Not going to cut it. Uh, definitely not against as good of a defense as the Rams have. I know everyone's really excited about this game, and they think it's like the most important game of the this year. This is yeah, they think that this is how NFC title game is going to go. Yeah, I would say it matters. It's a divisional game. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a good indicator. One, I think it's always harder to beat Tom Brady two times. Yep. So they may have slightly jinxed themselves by beating him in the regular season because yep. that normally means in the playoffs he's going to know more about what you did to beat him and kind of prevent that going forward. Yeah. Um, and it's early season Tom Brady. Yeah. So I, I There's multiple things yes. that stack up there. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in this game. I know a lot of people are really – It's it was kind of the game of the week and everybody's talking about everybody's really excited – I'm just saying, like, slow down a little bit. Like, let's see how these teams develop. Yeah. Tom Brady's not in prime form yet. We're so. talking postseason Tom here. This is not postseason Tom that we right. saw. This, so. is, this is first month of football, Tom. So. Yeah, and I I doubt that we'll see. If these teams match up again, I don't believe I'm going to see Tom Brady be the leading rusher. And I never want to wish injury on anyone, but the Rams are one injury away. They lose Donald. Ramsey, you know, Cooper Cup or Robert Wood. Like, they are one injury away, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know if they're that good. Like, yeah. like they need they need to have this roster fully healthy to be able to compete. Yeah, I agree. And that's another thing that scares you is because they're in – if there's a team that is in win-now mode, it is the Rams. Oh, like absolutely. They are the, the picture-perfect definition because if they don't win it this year or next year, they are screwed in it's, the long yeah. run. Yeah. It's, they it's have no be a, future outside of the next two years. Yeah, it's a build it down. It's a tear it down and build it back up for them for yeah, sure. Hundred percent. Next game we got is Chargers versus Chiefs. Another obviously being in Kansas is always going to be a talked about game when the Chiefs are in it, especially in a close game. Another tough loss for Kansas City. Um, I saw the end of the game. First of all, I was shocked that the Chargers didn't even try for a field goal at the end of the game. On fourth and four, I was like, why is the offense out here? Yeah. Take the field goal, win the game. Or are you like, I guess you're giving the ball back to Patty, but I think it put him up by eight at that point or maybe made it a two-score game. I can look it up. I'm not 100% sure. But I was, I was shocked that they didn't even look at a field goal. Now, after the delay of game or the false start or whatever it was and knocked him back five to fourth and nine, I was, was like, okay. Start. I was like, okay, I can kind of see it. It's definitely obviously a longer field goal now. And if you weren't going to try it the first time, you're not going to try it the second time. Um, I know a lot of Chiefs fans were upset with two blown PI calls down the stretch. Now, first of all, Patrick Mahomes has to play better. He didn't have his best game, obviously, of his career. These are his first two losses in September, and they both stung with last uh, last week to the Ravens, obviously, week three to the Chargers. Um, I don't know. It's It was tough for me to try to focus because I feel like the only thing I heard about was – what the Chiefs fans felt as a blown DPI call on the fourth and nine to convert. And then on the Hail Mary attempt, there was quite a bit of contact. 
which is always a 50-50 call. Hail Marys are officiated a lot differently than normal pass plays are, obviously, because of the amount of bodies that are in the area. Um, as far as the first DPI call go, I never saw any contact that should have really warranted that DPI call on fourth and nine. I think it should have been an incomplete pass. But moving past that, again, the Hail Mary is like, it is a Hail Mary. You have ten guys going for the same ball. There's going to be contact. But there was, like, there, there was a Chargers defender underneath that literally, like, hugged Tyreek and took him to the ground. Yeah. And then there was another one that was holding Travis Kelsey's arms as he was going up. So my thing is, like, I wouldn't throw a flag on Hail Mary, but if I'm throwing the flag on the DPI on 4th and 9, I'm throwing the flag on the Hail, Hail Mary. Mary at the same time. A, a I think neither of them should have been called, in my opinion. A couple of things. It would have been, on that 4th down, it was 24-24. So if they okay. kick the field goal, they only go up by three. With, what, a minute and a half left, probably, uh, for Patty? I can look it up real quick. It was not even. It was... 45 seconds, I think, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to... There it is. Yeah, 48 seconds 48 left in that seconds. game. I think they had one timeout left, if I remember right. Yeah, something like Which, that. Which, I could... Yeah. Uh, that's tough. I don't know. I still feel like I would have kicked the field goal because... If I miss it, then it's still a tie game, and they're literally 20 yards, and they're in field goal range. So, I don't know. It's one of those things I feel like that was where I would have kicked a field goal. But, I mean, they won in the long run. Yeah, I I think a couple of things. I think, one, I think it shows how much trust they have in Justin Herbert already. Agreed. By going for it on fourth and eight. Which is a good thing. And it it proved, right, they ended up going well. Um, Other thing I'll talk about with that is I hate these arguments of, like, we have to get over late in games. They are going to swallow the flags. Yeah. Like, it's playoff. It's like playoff basketball. They don't blow the whistle as much. Like, at the end of the play, the refs do not want the attention of making a call that's controversial. Yeah. So they're going to eat it more times than not. Which that's why I think that's why a lot of Chiefs fans were upset that they didn't eat the flag on the fourth and nine. Which, like, if there was blatant and they're like, oh, eat the flag, like, all right, come on. That was pretty obviously right. pass interference. But. It didn't look obvious, and they didn't eat the flag. I think that's why a lot of Chiefs fans were upset more often than not. But it's one of those things of, like, you had chances to win the game earlier on. Like, as much as those two plays stick out is why you lost, the pick that Patty threw earlier in the game and the three punts you had also could have won you the game if you converted on those drives. So So, the biggest thing I'll say kind of of going off of that is when the other team – doesn't fumble the ball and yet you fumble the ball twice and throw two interceptions so one the chargers aren't going to get a game against kansas city again where they have a four to zero yeah four to zero zero turnover four to zero turnover differential that just won't happen again yeah um and if i'm a chiefs man i shouldn't i'm not worried about the penalties i'm worried about how sloppy we were with the ball you know what i mean mahomes can't throw two picks like that and we can't lose two fumbles if we clean that stuff up Obviously, the Chiefs are better than the Chargers. They yeah. won that game. Yeah, it's like I said, it's one of those things. Like you can look at the two that the no call PI and the the PI that was called that you don't think should have been called. Those four turnovers win you the game. You score one time out of those four, then you're fine. Or if your defense can create a takeaway, you probably win the game in the long run as well. So as much as those two plays stick out and all those costs yeah. us the game. Those four, those two picks, those two fumbles, and your defense not forcing one also cost you. When it's your team, it's extremely hard to do this. But as outsiders, like looking at a game, it's much easier to go, okay, 
did the penalties lose you the game, or did you guys put yourself in a position where the penalties could lose you the game? Yeah. And to me, I'd rather my team never be in that spot. Like, I'd 100%. rather, yeah. If if the Chiefs had, I'd rather not be in a close game, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'd rather blow out every game. Yeah. But if the Chiefs had no turnovers and they lost because of those penalties, I'm now All I'm right. really upset. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But. The Chiefs potentially, probably, with how dynamic that offense is, with four turnovers, probably left 21 points out there, yeah. 17 At points. least 14 to 17, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. That's, for me as a fan, that's what I'm focusing on, going, okay, Agreed. Mahomes can clean that up. We can, I mean, maybe Clyde will stop fumbling someday. Eventually, Eventually, maybe. someday. Yeah. Um, that's really where I'm. I'm my head's at, and what I'm worried about more than anything else. Yeah, and that's what I remember. A lot of people were mad about. Obviously, the infamous blown PI call in the Rams Saints playoff game two years ago, which is still probably the worst no call of all time. I think everyone can agree. But as much as it may have cost you the game, the Saints got the ball first in overtime. Yeah. So as much as you're like, ah, oh, it cost us the game. If you go down and score a touchdown, you won the game anyways. Right. So. Yeah, it may have cost you the game of regulation, but you had a better chance to win an OT. Yeah. So you got to close out on the chances that you have, not the chances that you missed. Absolutely. Yeah. All, All right. right. You ready to hop into headlines? Bring it on. All right. We're going to start out with a rookie watch. We're okay. going to start out with my boy, Mac Jones. He went 30 for 51, 270 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Mm. So... You want to go first? Or you want me to? I can go first because this was obviously the game that I watched uh, with great intensity. Oh yes. Um, one, I don't worry so much about Mac Jones as this, but more of why Josh McDaniels was asking our rookie quarterback who is on his third week to throw fifty-one times. Absolutely absurd to me. Yeah, and as much of the fluke game against Aaron Rodgers might have been, the Saints defense through two weeks had one of the better pass defenses in the league statistically so yeah it feels like a game we got out schemed um agreed and not really the momentum i was kind of looking for going into next week to say the least um so yeah i mean overall i would say disappointing week not really what we wanted to see i i feel like we stick up for these rookies probably a lot more than other people will um, I think it's just natural for us to feel like, you know, sometimes when it's bad coaching, it's bad coaching. That's, yeah, that's which we may do it so much, but, like, like, we talked about this, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but, like, there are very few quarterbacks and then very few times that those certain quarterbacks should ever throw 50 times in a game. And a 28-13 game is not one I feel like you should be throwing 50 times. And I don't think Mac Jones is one of the quarterbacks that should ever throw 50 times in a game. And the lack of At least not yet. trying to get the run going yeah. drove me nuts. And like you were saying, it, when Tom Brady is your leading rusher, you're in trouble. When Mac Jones is your leading rusher, <laughs> yeah. you're probably in trouble. Yeah, definitely. I just I just saw that in the long run as well. You had 28 yards, 6 carries. Like, you ran the ball 17 times. And Mac Jones had six carries, but I'm curious of like, yeah, did you call six designed runs for Mac Jones, or is he out there scrambling? He's out there scrambling. Those were probably six scrambles. So in reality, you called eleven run plays to fifty-seven pass plays, probably. Yeah, it was. That is not. There's no balance. No, at all there. It, it was not a good mix. It was honestly, yeah. It just, uh, it bad coaching, bad scheming. A lot of the Patriots fans, I'm on some deep, deep, like, Patriot fan pages. A yeah. lot of people are calling for Josh McDaniel's head. 
I'm not quite to that point yet. Um, I'm glad that they're calling for his head, not Mac Jones's at this point. Yeah. That's I, a good sign, I feel like. I feel like since Brady, like, Josh McDaniels is a great offensive coordinator when Tom Brady's his quarterback. And yeah. it's like everyone else he's had, Tebow struggled. Cam Newton struggled. Yep. You know what I mean? And now Mac Jones is kind of going through some waves. I don't know how much of it's Josh McDaniels. Hopefully we can, you know, turn it around. I don't hate Josh McDaniels. I really don't. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a second chance at being a head coach, honestly. But I would, I would, I'd, the butterfly effect and like how weird it would be to see McDaniels. Wasn't it Indy that he originally was going to sign with? Yeah, and Indy, then and then he bailed out last night. He minute. bailed out. I'm curious to see where Carson Wentz and Josh McDaniels would be in Indy right about now. Nowhere very far. That would be still 0-3? Yeah, not, not <laughs> I'm Just like, it's so crazy the what-ifs that you can dial up. And Frank that's Wright's a, a better head coach than Josh McDaniels. That's a, that's a very, like, very, very possible what-if that definitely could have happened. So as bad as the three picks looked... Again, shouldn't be throwing the ball 51 times. You have to establish the run game. Yeah, especially with a rookie. And and they, they asked too much of Mac Jones. So hopefully this was a ploy to tank this week, and then next week we're going to run the crap out of the ball and beat the Buccaneers. But, yeah, not a, not a great start. Definitely not. Uh, Zach Wilson's the next one. 19 yeah. for 35, 160 yards, and two interceptions. I'm not... going to keep this short and sweet for Zach Wilson. It's the it. same thing we've been saying. Uh, flashes of what we want to see out of him, but uh, at the same time, a whole lot of ugly, a whole lot of, he just feels underprepared, and I just want to say this when it comes to Wilson, Lawrence, and Fields, is Peyton Manning had a horrible first year. <laughs> Peyton Manning, well, his first year with the Colts, went 4-2, and two, still holds the rookie interception record interception to this point. Record, yeah. So, don't sell these guys out just because they're having a bad first year. Now, if they don't really turn around in year two or three, um, it's okay to sell it then. Yeah. But these guys are still showing signs of what we want to see. You know what I mean? Flashes of what makes them great. Yeah. I think Zach Wilson, the biggest thing is he's shown the lack of discipline in his throwing game. Yep. He loves to throw off his back foot. He loves to throw on the run. He is a very, like, go big or go home yes. type quarterback, which it can work. If you have the right guys around you and have a defense to hold up, it can work. We've seen it work with two guys, and their name is Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I don't know if he's as I put good Brett, as them. I, if you want to go back, I could put Brett Favre on that list, too. Obviously, the ultimate gunslinger. Maybe John Elway is on that list. Yeah. But, yeah, it definitely doesn't work that often. It kind of takes the perfect situation for it to work, yeah. and the Jets are far from the perfect situation. Yeah, and that team around him is so bad that it's 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 impossible to read how good he is. I mean, Sam Darnold is kind of the ultimate example of, like, how bad the Jets actually are. So it's impossible for us to judge Zach Wilson because the Jets roster is just an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, and I think we set it for Mac Jones. I kind of say the same thing for Zach Wilson. I'll probably say the exact same thing. Maybe not about the Jags this week and Trevor Lawrence, but what we've said in weeks past is there's no run game. When you rely on a – you turn one-dimensional and you turn to a rookie quarterback to carry you, it's not going to end well. The Jags actually had a rushing attack this week, so I can't 100% say that about Trevor Lawrence, but that's what we've said the past two weeks about him, and that's what we'll probably say about Justin Fields when we get to him eventually as well. Yeah. You've got to – and as much as it may struggle, like I would much rather run the ball 30 times and put myself out of a game that way 
because I'm running while I'm down two touchdowns than be like, hey, Mac, I need you to throw 50 times. The thing I'll say about the Jets is maybe they don't have a standout guy, but the Jaguars have no excuse because they have a legit number one back. Yeah, they have a legit number one back, and at least for when I look at um, New York, like, I, there's definitely some talent. I have Tevin Coleman. I have Michael Carter. They traded up to get Michael Carter. So at least like, at least run the ball. Like the issue is that they're not even trying. Right. They call. They're the same thing as the Patriots. They called like less than 15 run plays, and they're curious why the run game's not working. Yeah. You know, they're like they run it two times, and they're like, okay, it's third and eight. I guess we'll stop running the rest of the game. Right. Like it's the first drive. Can we please keep running the ball? You have nothing. The the only thing you're worried about is ruining Zach Wilson. And by having consistently throw 30 plus times, it's not helping his development. No. So if I were them, I'm I'm looking to find some kind of, I'm like, say, screw the season. And uh, their coach, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Robert Salah. Yeah. Yeah. He is safe in his job. It's not like they're going to fire him probably after the first year. year. And the Jets hold on to coaches probably longer than they should most of the time. So if I'm him, I'm trying to do, I'm saying screw this season. We're going to try to do everything we can to make Zach Wilson better going forward. And I don't care about winning. And I know that's tough to say as a franchise, as a head coach, looking at, you know, everyone thinks we're going to win. We're going to turn this around. But at some point you have to look in the mirror and go, okay, when do we just go into development mode? Yeah, I think that's a biggest problem for a lot of the coaches in the league. Like you have to get to a point where like the wins as much or we're not tanking, but like I'm worried about are my guys getting better, not are we winning games. Right. Because at the end of the year, the difference between zero, one and four wins doesn't mean that much unless you got better over the year you know over the the season yeah i mean the jets know the feeling of the difference between one and zero because cost trevor lawrence this year yes it did that is the difference between trevor lawrence and zach wilson, wilson is one win the good news for jets fans overall is that trevor lawrence hasn't looked that great either so far yeah in a, in a similar situation i would argue trevor lawrence definitely has more talent around him um yep i would agree but, yeah, still not really looking. He went 22 for 34, 219 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He is playing what's been a top-five defense so far um, in in uh, Arizona. I'm surprised he only got sacked three times. I figured with the, the Jags O-line and how good Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt's been so far, I thought he'd be on his back a little bit more. But they finally established the run game. Yeah. I think this is what we were missing. I mean, 15 carries for 88 yards. I'm averaging six yards a carry, and I got a touchdown out of James Robinson. Carlos Hyde even comes in and averages five and a half, and then Trevor Lawrence averaged four and a half. It's like the run game was established, so we're taking baby steps here. Yeah. It, it definitely a step in the right direction for the Jags, especially since uh, such a good team. They finally are feeling like the offense got in the rhythm. Trevor Lawrence, I will say, gets the ball out quick. Yeah, he he and Justin Fields kind of always got knocked in college for holding on to it. I would say Trevor Lawrence is definitely trending the right direction with not holding on to the ball too long. Yeah, which is which is great. That's what I want to see if I'm a Jags fan. This this week is probably the best I've felt about Trevor Lawrence after a game. Hundred percent. And also, again, I think it's the best I've felt about Urban Meyer's play calling so far too. Yeah. Thank God. Like we had a guy that ran for fifteen hundred yards last year. Can we please establish a run first? Yeah, absolutely. So, and the good news for Jags fan going forward is your next four game stretch is. Cincinnati, Tennessee, Miami, and Seattle. Not a lot of great teams overall. Not a lot of great defenses that you're going to have to deal with. So it's time to tune up the offense because you got the Bills after that. Yeah. So 
hopefully they can get it together. I think they've got a decent four-game stretch, but really, I still, I don't know. They played the Texans and the Broncos. The Texans have looked better than we thought they would. Broncos the Broncos looked better. looked better than we thought they would. Yep. They're 3-0. So they've kind of went through the two games. Obviously, the Cardinals has been their toughest opponent, but they look the best against Arizona. Yeah. So now they go to Cincinnati. They get Tennessee and Miami at home, and then they go to Seattle. So I think that's the good news for Jacksonville going forward is like the schedule does get a little bit easier. Really try to open it up and get ready because you will have to deal with Buffalo here in a couple weeks. Justin Fields, uh, we won't spend a ton of time on it. Not obviously. Not much to talk about. Yeah, not really a ton to talk about. Six for 20, 68 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. um, Rough. There's a lot of Bears fans that think that Matt Nagy's play calling, like he threw the game. On purpose. The way that he was calling plays, they're like, there's no reason, there's no rhyme or reason to why he's calling these plays. And they were thinking that he threw the game to try to show everyone that starting Andy Dalton was the right choice. Yeah. I think trotting Justin Fields out against Cleveland's defense kind of sucks as a starting game. Yeah. It would have sucked just as much because they played the Rams week one. One, yeah. So it was tough. Uh, There's not much to analyze. I saw a stat that he had, on average – less than a second to get the ball out before he was under pressure. They didn't he I it this is what I feel about Matt Nagy sometimes and this is what frustrates me because I do think he's a good coach. I'm I do gonna, I do as well. I just sometimes it was like Mitch's Mitchell Trubisky's second year, he didn't he schemed it completely different than they did their first year. Mm-hmm. And I get you can't be the exact same but do something like it worked for the kid. Give him another shot yeah, at it. Don't you can't flip the as much as it may work to flip and defenses don't know what you're doing. Your quarterback doesn't know what you're doing, doing now. either. And and it struggles. And it with Justin Fields, he ran an Andy Dalton style offense. Like didn't give him a lot of design runs. Didn't give him some easy screens. Didn't do anything to kind of get it going. We'll we'll dig into Matt Nagy a little bit later. If I'm a Bears fan, like don't don't sell your Justin Fields stock yet. I'm I'm calling for as much as you might need to be calling for Josh McDaniels head, I'm calling for Matt Nagy's head right about now. We'll we'll talk about Matt Nagy later. Yeah. I don't want to get into it yet. We'll get there, but he didn't have much help. He literally had point seven six seconds to throw before he's under pressure on average. And people were saying that remember you just talked about it, how he got knocked for holding on to the ball too long in college. And people said that he held on to the ball too long against Cleveland. I'm like, what is he supposed to throw it in a half a second? Right. You're talking about take the snap, no drop, just immediately. We called those screens. How am I supposed to get the ball out quickly if I'm not running screen plays? You know when you accidentally are trying to hike the ball in Madden? And you just you, automatically throw it to your tight end? Yeah, you yes. just accidentally are spamming X. That's yes. what everyone wanted Justin Fields to do this weekend is just spam X and just him immediately snap yeah. throw it to somebody. Just snap throw it to Cole Komet and hopefully he catches it. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely a rough week. Hopefully there's more to analyze next week, but we, I don't. who knows if he's going to start yeah. week four. So next ad coming in here. Our next ad comes to us sponsored by Uber Eats. Yes, you can order McDonald's and get it delivered straight to your door. Uh, Uber Eats is Uber's food delivery app. Makes ordering food as easy as requesting a ride. McDonald's has partnered with Uber Eats to get food delivered to hungry customers, allowing you to track your order customize your drop-off location and use the same account you use to take rides to order food menu items will vary by location for food items availability select mc delivery in the mcdonald's app or view items by selecting order on the bottom menu bar if you order now uber eats has a deal 
where you can buy one junior chicken sandwich and get a second one for free. Uh, and you just can't beat those savings. So we did get some clarification. The junior chicken sandwich McChicken thing that we were kind of talking about off the show. Uh, it's some certain locations. It's a junior chicken. Oh. And certain locations in McChicken. I think we're more used to McChickens, obviously. That's what we kind of have. Yeah. Apparently, certain places, it's different. So Uber Eats, obviously, save some money. Get two McChickens. I mean, I mean, you get two for the price of one. I don't can't, really, can't beat that deal. There's, there's no other way to put it outside of that. So, what do we got next? We, I believe, have Pump the Brakes next. Everyone's favorite segment. We oh, do, no, I'm just oh, kidding. Hot and cold. We have hot and cold first. Sorry. I mean, I like hot and cold a lot. Hot and cold's fun. Because it gives you a chance to look like a genius. Now, more often than not, you look like an idiot, but... That's the fun part about the, it. The one out of ten times you look like a genius makes you feel really good. Yeah. So, what, what do you got for us? This okay. Week? My cold take is the Packers are fine. I, I genuinely am on board with, you know, week one was a fluke at this point. Everyone yeah. feels they're ready. I don't think they're perfect, but I, I, I'm not worried about them. I think that division stinks, so I'm really yeah. not worried about the Packers. If they're in the NFC West, maybe there's some alarmingness going on, but there's no one's going to challenge them at this point. Yeah. Um, for my hot take this week, I've got the 49ers are one big weapon away. Okay. Which is, I know that like a lot of people are, like, we always talk about, oh, the 49ers, what an explosive offense. They've got all these weapons. And I sit there and I'm like, Kendrick Bourne, George Kittle. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Um, Debo Samuel. And I'm like, I'm like, none of these guys their, are. Their biggest weapon is George Kittle. Is right George now. Kittle, right. I think even fully healthy, it's George Kittle, probably. You can't tell me that team with a James Robinson at running back all of a sudden isn't another level of dynamic. Or if they would have landed Julio in the offseason, if they were in talks to get him. I do think the issue is that they're a run-heavy offense with a running back made of glass. Raheem Mostert, yeah. as fast as he is and as good as he is, gets banged up very, very frequently. And you have to know that. And, and I mean, look at like the Colts. Game plan for it. Yeah, they have multiple solid guys. I yeah. mean, the Ravens, you could even argue – were prepared for that and lost all of them. Somehow. Yeah, lost all of them and, and still have been able to scheme their way to a 2-1 start to the season. As far as the Colts and Niners go, Marlon Mack requested a trade today. There's a possible landing spot. There you go. I like that. Marlon Mack is not known for his durability in the long run, but, right. I mean, as long as – if you got two injury-prone running backs, as long as you can try to offset when they're hurt. Right. At least if I've got one healthy guy, I'll be all right. Or if they've, they've just got to establish who their guy is going to – they have to establish their second running back. I think that was their issue. They let Matt Breida go to Buffalo, and they kind of went all in on Raheem Mostert and had no backup plan for if he got hurt, yeah. knowing that that was probably going to happen. And and it feels like a Todd Gurley would be a great fit there. I, I know it sounds wild because he's also injury-prone all the time. Yeah. But if you got to have some kind of dynamic – because they do. They don't have a true number one ride receiver. And if they did, I I think this team would be a lot better than they are. Agree, 100%, yeah. And I think they were looking for Brandon Ayuk to make that jump. And I think with Kyle Shanahan's comments after week two, where he said he's got all the talent in the world, but he's got to prove that he wants to be out there. Which, to me, that shows, like, yeah, it's it reminds me a lot of, like, Cat in Minnesota. I think the quote was, he's got to prove that he's better than the guy in front of him. In front of him, yeah, I yeah. would agree. So it shows that... Yeah, he's got all the talent in the world, but I don't see it. Yeah, I see Debo Samuel, who's out here working, 
who busts his ass every play, whether it's a pass play or a run play. Right. Debo Samuel consistently pushes corners 10 to 15 yards down the field on run plays, which that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants in his offense going forward as well. I know everyone loves speed receivers. I just don't. I don't trust them for for whatever reason. I don't blame you. I just I the track record is not there. Yeah, at just, all. They're just not like I would much rather have a route guy. You know what I mean? I I take. It's kind of like what the Rams have. Really, is I like Robert Woods and I like Cooper Cup. It's mm-hmm. kind of like they're the same guy almost. Well, you look at the top three, four receivers. You can look at the top ten. There's one guy that is considered a speedster, and yeah. it's Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. He's also a very good route runner. Yeah. You look at DeAndre Hopkins. Good route runner, best hands in the league. Great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Adams, best route runner in the league. Yeah. Amari Cooper's top 10, very good route runner. Jerry Judy's a very good route runner. We not talked about him 10, earlier. No. Not top 10. Let me Definitely clarify not. that. Not a top 10. Definitely receiver. not. Um, Stephon, Stephon Diggs, great yeah. route runner. So, like, route running is the thing that translates the most. And what's sad is that it's the lost art amongst yeah. receivers right now. I, I would either, rather have a guy who's a great route runner and sometimes can take the top off a of defense rather than, like, a Henry Ruggs where it feels like that's his one where big if, explosive if, play. If we catch him in cover two when we call the post route, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Like, if. If that happens. Yes. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I would agree. I think I would much rather, in the long run, I'd much rather have Devontae Adams over Tyreek Hill because also route running translates no matter who your quarterback is. Right. I know that that guy can get open within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I know that if he has to take off the top of the defense, he can. Because if I have Mr. Trubisky, I can't get the ball 50 yards down the field to Tyreek Hill. Right. It's not going to work. Well, the reason that it works so well in Kansas City specifically and, and kind of in Oakland is they also have the guys that when it's third and four, you know Travis Kelsey is going to make that catch. You know Darren Waller is going to make that catch. Yep. They have guys that are just secure catch kind of guys where they're safety nets. That's really yep. what you need with an over-the-top guy. Whereas that's why when that offense doesn't have Travis Kelsey and it only has Tyree Kill, it struggles because Mahomes doesn't have a guy that he knows is going to get a six-yard catch guaranteed or be yeah. open. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why Hollywood struggled in, in Baltimore for so long because as good as Mark Andrews has been, he's been banged up here and there. And if Mark Andrews is out of the game, and even when Mark Andrews is in the game, there are no other receiving threats. Mark Andrews right. isn't that elite-level tight end yet with Waller and Kelsey. So with Hollywood being the one option and all he can do is go over the top, I, there's nothing that he can do in the long run. Yeah, I, I think if they had a superstar wide receiver or superstar running back, I think that team is just a little bit more dynamic and it puts him over the hump in games like last night. Yeah, last night I think a reliable rushing attack wins you that game pretty yeah, easily. Absolutely. Um, so my cold take this week are the Jags are going to finish last in the AFC South. I think everybody's kind of on the train at this point. Um, not a, I'm like I'm I'm like ninety percent on. I think Houston still could collapse. I definitely did not think that the Jags were going to finish last in the division. I didn't no. think they were going to be a playoff team by any stretch at all. But I saw six to seven wins, and I saw Houston around the three or four mark. Yeah, um, the Jags have not looked good. And they might it's, be flipped right there. Yeah, and it's the things that the things that worried me about Jacksonville. It's not things that usually you see get better. Like play calling usually doesn't get better. I feel like if anything, it gets worse sometimes. If you have a rookie coach that came over from college, I mean, it, it'll it'll probably improve with the staff around a little Urban bit. Meyer. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think so. So hopefully, I mean, if they rely on the run game going forward, maybe. But still, it's just one of those things of like, I don't know. I I don't see. 
a lot of promise. They're not going to flip the switch at this point and come out and somehow win eight games. I just yeah. don't. I don't see it happening. The only reason they don't finish last is if Houston just finishes worse, which right. you're not happy about. In the yeah. Long run. I'm not happy to win six if Houston's winning five. I'm like, oh, we're not last by a game, I guess. So uh, my hot take right now is that the current 3-0 Broncos will finish last in the AFC West. Wild. Now, I do agree off the top of the head. It does sound wild. I did come up with it kind of last second, but it is something that I kind of believe in. Um, First of all, you look at the division. Um, The Chiefs are obviously not going to finish last. I don't think the Chargers finish last. Now, the thing about this is you have to kind of bank on John Gruden not falling and the Raiders not falling apart, which is a massive what if because they are known to do that late in games. They started last year seven and three through 10 weeks. Yeah. And I believe they finished two and five. So that's an issue. Um, as far as the Broncos go, as much as they may be three and oh, their combined record of the teams they've beat is 0 and nine. They beat the Jags, they beat the Jets, and they beat the Giants. Yeah. So. The strength of the schedule is not there. I'm curious to see how they look against Baltimore this week. It's definitely their biggest test of the year. Um, not ready to buy that stock yet. I think it very well has the potential to be good, a good take. I'm just not like that. Defenses look good. Teddy Bridgewater's taking care of the ball. Yeah, they're able to run quite a bit too with Melvin Ingram. I, I'm curious. Or Melvin Gordon, sorry. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do against a team that takes the run away from them. I yeah. think that's where you're going to see them struggle at. Yeah. Because Noah Fanton hasn't really separated himself as a as a he's got the potential. I still think he's top ten, but like I think a lot of people are looking higher than that. Cortland Sutton has looked great. Jerry Judy is currently still hurt. Yeah. KJ Hamler's now out for the year. So the offensive they're losing weapons as they go along. And they have the Ravens this week, and then the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Browns. So the Ravens will be a tough test. The Steelers haven't looked good, but it's not a game I write off by right. any stretch. The Raiders are currently 3-0 and as well, and we just saw the Browns dismantle the Bears last week as well, and they're sitting at 2-1. and I think for them it comes down to how healthy that wide receiver core gets because I think I with agree. Judy back, I think we, we want to see if he can take that step forward, so I think that'll be a good test for him. They have a very weird schedule now that I'm looking at it. So they beat... The Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. They play two AFC North teams next, and the Ravens and the Steelers. Then they play their division rival in the Raiders. They go back to the AFC North against the Browns, and then they play three straight weeks of NFC East teams. They play Washington, Dallas, and then Philly. Yeah, like that's... They're just all lining up. And then two AFC West games again, and then back to the NFC. And like, they finish... The thing about the Broncos' long run is weeks 16, 17, and 18... They have Vegas, they have L.A., and they have the Chiefs. They end their year at home against Kansas City, but they go on the road to Las Vegas and to Los Angeles. A lot of playoff pitchers going to be kind yeah. of built in those last couple I think weeks. If, if they're going to finish last or second you know, in the division, whatever it is, even if they win the division, it's going to be decided in the last three weeks, I think, because they have a lot of key games down the stretch. But... I'm. I just. I think a lot of people are buying a little bit too much into the three and zero start against three o three of the four zero and three teams. So, 
I don't know. I'm not buying too much stock into them being great, but maybe I'm overreacting a little bit. But that's what hot takes are. Yeah, that's what it's for. Maybe I'm an idiot. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be wrong on some of these. We're going to be right on some of them. Definitely. I think I think we're going to try to hit segments where we're going to go back and look, look. and see. I'm what... so glad you have the old scripts because yes. I'm like, I don't remember what I said last week. I have all the old scripts, so we're going to go back and we're probably going to like do an analyst or, or analyze what our worst take was, what our best take was. Okay. Um, let's jump into pump the brakes. I've we've let's got we've got some spicy ones this we week. We do, and I've got to make sure I don't talk too much because we ran long on fan questions. So yeah, we're we'll okay. get it done. All right, number one, the Steelers should trade for Deshaun <laughs> Watson. Yeah, you definitely do have some hot ones in here. I could definitely. I mean, we're starting hot. Um, ooh. do you want me to give you the reasoning behind this one? Yeah, I'm curious. Okay. A couple of things because obviously it makes sense. It does, right? From from just a, I can't believe nobody's talking about this. Yeah, I would agree. I now that you say it, I'm like, why not? They have a history of being tolerant towards these types of you know bad things happening. Big Ben to their quarterbacks. Yeah, Big Ben doesn't have a perfect record. Almost the same type of scandal as well. Exactly, somewhat very similar. Yeah, so that kind of fits there. Um, Big Ben has played horrible. Like I don't think he looks like that. We always call it the Max Kellerman cliff, right? He always talks about like Tom Brady falling off. The, cliff. He's Big Ben looks like what Tom, what Max Kellerman thought Tom Brady would look like three years ago, right? Exactly, which is a very convoluted way of saying Big Ben's horrible. So to <laughs> say that this is Big Ben's last year in Pittsburgh, I don't think is crazy. I think this. I think if you don't say that, you're crazy. Yeah. So one. So let's say Deshaun can't play the rest of the year for whatever reason. Somebody trades for him. He gets put on the commissioner's exemption list. Anything like that happens doesn't matter because big ben will finish out his year they can do the goodbye ride and then perfectly it gives deshaun watson a year to learn the system in pittsburgh god i would hate that so much and <laughs> if i'm houston i'm looking at pittsburgh's record and going man they're already kind of in a hole here and by the time they trade for him it might be bad enough where houston goes okay that's probably going to be a top 10 pick why is no one talking about this it, it's really a you're kind of a fit. genius yeah first of all props to you for that because i agree because we talked about did we talk about this on the show or is this a conversation off the mic where like we talked about deshaun for picks like deshaun going yeah. there makes the team better the picks get worse that's yes. why that deal doesn't we, work. we talked about that on mike that's that's been that's number Houston's concern is they one don't want to take a quarterback back. So that's been the big kind of one of the holdups in Miami is they don't want Tua. Mm-hmm. They said we want all picks and they also don't want to do it mid season because they're worried about trading Deshaun over and then all of these this pick that they're gonna get this year, especially going from a top ten pick to like he flips the team around. Yeah. That's why the they didn't want to trade for Denver at the beginning of the year. Like because, like, yeah, if Denver was in this spot right now with Deshaun Watson, they're yeah. screwed because they're going to They're projected pick 30 at this point. Exactly, you know? right, yeah. So that's that's. I think it makes Ooh. too much sense. Uh, I'm not going to pump the brakes. I definitely think it's something they should explore because especially if they sit Deshaun for the rest of the year, which I don't think you displace Big Ben from the starting role for anything. Yeah. And even if Big Ben goes down, Deshaun's my backup, I'm starting Dwayne Haskins. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm as frustrating as it may be, we're going to sit you, let you kind of – Get used to the playbook. Just trust me. It's going to be better in the long run. As aggravating as that's going to be, just kind of let it let it build. We're going to be there. You know, I would hate to see that as a Ravens fan because it fits perfectly. Yeah. I think the only issue is is I don't know 
Like, this is something that I feel like would have had to happen last year. Like, if Big Ben's last year was two years ago and Deshaun Watson starts last year, they win the Super Bowl. Maybe, yeah. I, I could 100% see them being at least in contention because they start 11-0 like they did. There's no fall-off, and they, they do fine in the playoffs, and they're contending for a Super Bowl. The issue is is the defense is getting older. They have two of their cornerstones on defense in Minka Fitzpatrick and, and T.J. Watt, but everything else is aging. Cam Hayward's getting older. Stephon Tewitt's getting older. Tyson Alulu is 34. Um, Devin Bush is healthy. That's a huge thing going forward, but you're going to have to pay him. Joe Hayden and Cameron Sutton are not good one and two options at corner. So, like, the defense isn't there, but the Chiefs are competing at this point. Right. So, I don't know. It's I could not see anything a, I want to see as a Ravens I fan. could see a uh, kind of like a Rams build with this. Dynamic offense. Deshaun Watson, Chase Claypool, Juju. So, you just Najee Harris. You have this explosive offense with... Uh, two superstar defenders. Yeah, two two superstar <laughs> defenders, and then you go. Okay, we're gonna roll the dice and fill it in. Wins. Yeah. yeah, try to fill it in as best you can and roll the dice. I would agree. I think it's the it would it, they would instantly become next year going into next season would be one of the top five offenses. I think they're the lock, not the lock. They're definitely the favorite to win the NF, the AFC North at that point. Honestly, oh, wow. With Deshaun, I I Deshaun Watson is good. And and I know Mike Tomlin, as much as I may not like him, and I don't think he's a great head coach, I think with Deshaun Disagree. Watson they would be good. I don't like him. That's always been my take. I've been the, – the last two to three years, I've kind of peeled back that take. Two to three years ago, I was like, he's not good, extremely overrated. The last two to three years, I've been proven wrong. Them going eight and eight two years ago with how banged up they were with was Doc Hodges in was insane. That's nuts. I had to give him props for that. Going eleven zero to start last year, I had to give him props for there. So like, the more I watch Mike Tomlin and the Steelers play, the more I feel like I'm wrong about that. But I still kind of lean to that side at least a little bit. But him and that offense would be insane. Yeah, if they nuts. were, I don't know if they'd bring Juju back at that point. But you still have Chase Claypool. I still have Deontay Johnson. Hopefully, Eric Ebron's not there, but. Is he still there? I think he is, actually. But you just drafted Pat Fryermuth, so hopefully he turns into your white tight end for the future because those always work out in Pittsburgh. Heath Miller made himself a career being that in Pittsburgh, and he never had to go to a Pro Bowl or anything. They just loved him. He's always a fan. Ebron's still there. Yeah, so, I mean, you let Ebron go, develop Fryermuth, get the O-line, and that's another thing. Don't put Deshaun behind that offensive line because you're just going to end up – he's going to end up injured in the long run anyways. Yeah. So I would trade for Deshaun – Build up the O line through the offseason, and they have a top five offense next year. It's, it, it, That's it, insane. It makes the Steelers super, super interesting. Super interesting. I'm shocked that no one's talking about that. That was a great pick by you. Okay, the next one the Seahawks will miss the playoffs. This one's easy for me because I've been on the train of that I didn't think they were going to make it. Yeah. Um, I think from what we've seen the last three weeks, I'm starting to look right. It's still an eight, a 17 game season. A lot can happen, and anything's possible. Russell Wilson at quarterback. I'm not going to pump the brakes. I'm sticking to my guns on this one. I do think they're going to miss the playoffs. Now, if they, the Packers and them switch spots, I would definitely say they're favorites to win the division, but they're in the toughest division in football. Yeah. So they have two legitimate Super Bowl contenders and the 49ers in their division. That's an issue. If you're if you're not playing your best football week in, week out, especially those division weeks, you're going to be last in your division. This loss bothered me for them because if you're the Seahawks, you can't – there's no games. You can't lose any games you're supposed to win. Yeah. 
And it's the same thing with the Cowboys right. that we talked about earlier. And this is a game that you're supposed to win outside of your division. You, you have to win it um, because there's going to be games you're going to lose inside your division. Mm-hmm. And between the Titans and the Vikings, I mean, it does. there is some soft spots, so I don't think they're going to be horrible. And they they just have to – now it puts more pressure on these in-division games. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to – These next two weeks are crucial for yes. them. Yeah, you're going to have to beat the 49ers once. You're going to have to beat the Rams once if you want a shot of the playoffs. That would be my only – that's my only worry with them. I'm, I'm not quite all in on the fact that they're going to miss. But if I'm them – if I'm a Seahawks fan right now, I'm nervous. I'm nervous and – the, the good, like, as nervous and as bad as it is, the good side is I'm going to find out pretty quickly these next two weeks. I think you're going to figure out. Yeah. I think you're going to have at least a lot better of an idea after how playing good you are. the Niners and the Rams these next two weeks. Okay. Number three here we got is the Chiefs won't win the AFC West. That's really tough. Currently last in that division. Which, again, no one saw that coming. Yeah. I think, worst case scenario, everyone thought they were going to be 2-1. and one. They, they, you know, if they drop the game to Baltimore, they still beat, you know, or even drop the game to Cleveland. You know, you beat one of the AFC North teams and you beat the Chargers. You're two and one. Yeah, solid start. First of all, the fact that they're one and two, wild. Also, the fact that that, you know, one loss came the way it did, or that the one win was a comeback win. Like they were, they're a touchdown drive away from being zero and three at this point. Right. You know? Um. Or they're two touchdown drives away from being three three and zero. Yeah, so so that's the good thing is that they've all been close games. You haven't been blown out. The bad thing is, well, it's like it's a good and a bad thing. Is it? It's a it's a bad thing because you kind of cost yourself the games, but it's a good thing because there are things you can pretty easily clean up. I think with Patrick Mahomes, I'm gonna pump the brakes. I'm I'm not gonna bet against Patrick Mahomes at this point in his career. He doesn't have the the tenure that Tom Brady had. Like, there was a certain point, I think it was after the Falcons come back in the Super Bowl, where I was like, I refuse to bet on Tom Brady. They're like, who do you think is going to win? I'm like, is Tom Brady starting a quarterback? Right. Like, yes. Yeah. So like, all right, well, he's going to win. I don't care what the deficit is. I don't care how late in the game it is. I'm betting on him. Like, yeah. if there is – they better be kneeling the ball with the other team having no timeouts for me to bet against Tom Brady at that point. And even still, somehow Carson Wentz is going to drop the ball to fumble and then they'll win somehow still. Yeah. So, as much as he doesn't have the tenure that Brady has, Patrick Mahomes has earned that level of respect in my mind. I'm going to say pump the brakes just because, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they come back, they beat the Eagles next week, and then the marquee matchup is going to be how they play against the Bills. And Agreed. if you drop a game against the Bills there, I mean, their season does get soft here after the Bills. It's Washington, Tennessee, Tennessee. Giants. Um, so, it's not the toughest down the stretch, but... We'll, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting. I think the Buffalo game is going to be the one to, to circle on your schedules if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I'm circling Buffalo, and then down the line i got to circle uh, when the Packers come to town as well. Yep. Um, that's definitely going to be a huge game at the start of November. All righty. Now we're going to bounce back to our fan question from earlier. Okay. The Rams should be the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. I'm going to pump the brakes here. Um, so our fan question to remind everybody was, who is the favorite or the team to beat in the NFC? In the NFC, um, I still think it's the Buccaneers, as much as the Rams may have won. I love Matthew Stafford. I love the Rams' offense. 
I do think that they are very dynamic and I like them going forward. But it'd be very contradictory of me to say I'm not betting against Tom Brady and then immediately say that the Rams are the favorite and it's not the Bucks. Yeah. So, I don't know. I still got to ride with Tampa Bay in the long run. I do think the Rams are going to have a run for their money. If it's not Tampa Bay, it is L.A. I think the Rams have some good tests coming up forward. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that'll be the most interesting to see how they handle the tests. Um, I think next week they play the Cardinals – like this division is going to be so wild, and oh, yeah. it's going to be it's tough called, to tell. It's called the Wild West for a reason. Yeah, we're going to have it's going to be a gunslinging showdown for eighteen weeks out there. I think whoever has a winning record inside the division wins that division, which is so wild. I, like That's I could insane. I could literally see every team in this division going three and three inside of their division. Yeah, which is nuts. Like the I, statistical probability of that is zero. Right. Like, it, it, it just feels so slim, but it really is a possibility. These teams are so good. I'm not all in on them. I think the Cardinals are for real this year. So I'm not I'm not quite and Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl last year. So yeah. and, like I know this was kind of the unthroning of, you know, Tampa Bay for the NFC. They're they're kind of got the Super Bowl hangover. It's early. Tom Brady's early. We talked about that early earlier in the show. Brady has a hangover September every year. Every year. So let's let's see what this game. You know, let's see what the Rams look like later in the year. Let's see what Tampa Bay looks like later in the year. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five here. The Bears will fire Matt Nagy before the season is over. As much as I hate him, and I am calling for him for his head, I think that's a mistake in the long run. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Like, it's hard to find a good head coach in the offseason to kind of come in and build your team going forward. It's hard to find a good head coaching hire. It is twice as hard to do it in the middle of the season. Right. Unless you really think one of your coordinators is going to be the guy going forward, I think you just stunt Justin Fields' growth even more than you already are, and I don't think it helps any in the long run. So as painful as it may be, I don't think it's the right move. So I would pump the brakes on that. I'm going to completely disagree with you here. Bring it on. Tell me why. So if I'm the owner of the Chicago Bears, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't either. Um, if I'm the owner, and let's say through week eight, we're two and six. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come in. I'm going to fire Pace. I'm going to fire Nagy. Okay. And there's a couple reasons why. One, I'm not going to have a GM and a coach who are trying to win games. At this point, I want the best draft pick possible. I want, Yeah, and it's the same thing as really. I want development. If Justin yes. Fields is not getting better, I don't care what my record is. Exactly. So I'm going to fire those guys. <laughs> we drafted a talent quarterback for once. Can we please, God, let him be good? And like, then it gives me a chance to, one, start scouting who my next general manager is going to be. And, two, it lets my organization decide, okay, are we going to hire a coach and then hire a GM around him? Or are we going to hire a GM that's going to pick their coach? Either way, it gives us a head start to be prepared of – we're going to weigh our options. Okay, we think the GM class is a little bit stronger. We're going to hire a GM, let him pick a coach, vice versa. Gives you a head start on all of this because this season very well could be over for the Bears week eight. And if I'm the Bears owner, I'm going to do what I think is best for the organization going forward. And you can't tell me this isn't going to be an attractive job. Allen Robinson, Justin Fields. My Yeah, I would 100% agree because the defense is still there. It is aging, but it's still there as yeah. of now. The offensive line is terrible. They have weapons. What I'm doing, I think my bottom line, if I'm the owner or whoever's making all these decisions, is I'm, I have to sit down with Justin Fields. 
as much as he may not be my franchise quarterback, I want him to be that way, so I need to treat him to be that way. Like, right. As much as people are like, oh, respect is earned. You know, you have to be an Aaron Rodgers-level guy to get that respect. If I want this guy to perform at that level, I have to treat him at that level. I'm going to sit him down and be like, this is what I'm doing. This is why. If you have any input, you can put it in. Right. I'm not going to guarantee what you're going to say is going to fly. I'm down. You know, I'm open to listen to what you have to say. But I want to keep an open line of communication. The last thing I want to do is turn your relationship with our team sour because of what we're doing overall. I think there's a line for that. I don't think it's with a rookie quarterback. I I kind of agree, but I I feel like, like I said, I'm not handing the keys. I'm like, yeah. pick your new head coach. Not doing that at all, but I want to keep, at least even if I'm not taking advice or anything from him, I want to have that open line of communication. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is why. I apologize if it upsets you. I think this is what's best for us going forward. I want us to be on the same page because 15 years from now, I want you in a Bears uniform still. Right. I I think the saying, treat a man as he should be and he will become, I think that's the saying with that. I don't, like, when you're talking about a billion-dollar corporation, typically not many 23-year-olds are are calling the shots when it comes to that. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So I don't know, like... Once you get established, you know, I think it's crazy Aaron Rodgers doesn't have input. It's insanity that he doesn't have input. It's too early for Justin Fields to have input for me. I think you have to get to more of a mid-tier kind of guy, somebody who can prove that yeah. you prove, okay, I can carry a team to a playoffs. Which maybe by week eight, like, we've seen at least the flashes of that at maybe. that point. Like, like I said, I'm not letting this guy make any decisions by any stretch, but I want to make sure that he knows – this is why I'm doing this. And he know, doesn't like, know the NFL yet enough yeah. either to probably make a lot of the calls. So I'm I'm just not to that point. But yeah, I'm I'm all in Bears getting rid of everybody. The last thing I want, like I said, the last thing I want to do is turn him sour because for some reason he likes Matt Nagy by week eight. I mean, the Bears are going to hire some guy from the Patriots organization that you've never heard of, and they're going to hire him to be the GM just like everybody else. Yep. And then they're going to hire our kicking coach. To be their head coach. And Freddie Kitchens will be their OC. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, there's your headlines. I hate Freddie Kitchens so much. All right. All right. Number six, Justin Tucker is the GOAT of kickers. I'm going to pump the brakes. As much okay. as I may have tweeted about this, i got to calm down a little bit. The longevity isn't there. Now, if you were to look at their careers at 31 or whatever you want to, you know, if you want to put some specifications on it, I would say yes. I do think when it's all said and done, he'll get there. But it's one of those things like it's way too early to tell. I want to say like kickers are the one eight, the one position where you can play till you're forty, forty five. But Tom Brady's currently doing it at forty two at a quarterback. So, but I mean, he's got to score a lot more points. But currently, he is the most accurate kicker in the NFL, and now he holds the record for uh, in NFL history. He's the most accurate kicker of all time, and he holds the record for the longest kick in NFL history. So. Um, honestly, I'm kind of circling whenever Baltimore goes to Denver, if that happens anytime soon in this next year or two. Um, I'd love for Denver to make the playoffs. Oh, wow. Look at that. Baltimore's in Denver this week. Yeah. Yeah, can we just call it trash on a drive and just kick a 70-yard field goal just for the hell of it? <laughs> I'd um, love to see it. One clarification. Tom Brady's 44. 44. Did yeah. I say 42? You said 42. He's played 22 years. Yes. He's 44 years old. The one thing I will say about this is longevity will be the deciding factor. Okay. And I think a couple of things need to happen for Justin Tucker to overtake this from Vinatieri. Is Vinatieri has some iconic Super Bowl winning kicks. Very true. And has been in some huge moments. So four Super Bowl rings, all-time points leader, 
and kicked forever. Justin Tucker right now is super accurate, so like the points doesn't feel crazy. Mm-hmm. The longevity side of it, and then having I know kicking really long field goals is like feels really special now. Yeah, is that something we're gonna remember? And like, no, three did anybody or four know years? that Matt Prater held the record for sixty four yards in Denver? Right. So I mean, he does have one ring. He didn't hit the game winning field goal or anything by stretch, but he does have the Super Bowl. Okay, I think. It's gonna. I don't think there's gonna ever, ever be a kicker that has as many memorable kicks as Vinatieri does, because no other kicker is gonna play ten to fifteen years next to Tom Brady. Right. Yeah, so that's that's, that's the then, one thing. And then transition, and then play next to Peyton Manning for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. For a little bit, and then play next to Philip Rivers and Carson Andrew Wentz. Luck. Yeah. Yeah. Because all those quarterbacks are in the same grouping. In the he did group. not play with Carson Wentz. He is retired. That's true. He is retired. Fair. He still played with Philip Rivers for you, did yes. he? He played last year. He, he played. He played in and out last year. He, yeah, didn't play great. He no. I don't. I, I maybe he played in and out. I don't remember. But all right. So now that that's covered, we are gonna jump into pick one. Okay. Uh, I think it went well last week. So I, I like this one. Yeah, I think it's fun. As long as you keep them coming the way you are. I'm set to do this long term. And we're going to do an undefeated team one. I promise you, not every week it's going to be like, what undefeated team do you think is legit? Like, yeah. we will we will switch it up. Our second one is different. Um, so pick one 3-0 and o team to stay undefeated the longest. See, this is one where I should have pulled up other schedules to kind of look and see. I'm going to pull up the Cardinals first. Well, I'm not picking the Cardinals because they play the Rams and then they play the Niners, which there's definite possibility they can lose yep. both those games. I'm not going to pick the Rams because they play the Cardinals next week. So one of those teams is losing. So I'm really not going to pick either of those. Panthers play the Cowboys next. And the Denver Broncos play the Ravens. And then the Raiders play – the Raiders play this week? The Raiders play the Chargers. I don't like any of these. <laughs> um <laughs> That's why I give you first pick on this one. This is a very solid question to ask. And I get first pick on the next one. Um, I think if I had to pick, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with who I think the best team on here out of these five is. I'm gonna say the Rams. Okay. As much as I think they have the largest chance to lose playing against the Cardinals this week, I think when I look at the Broncos, like there is a solid chance they could beat uh, Baltimore in Denver. Um. Baltimore slipped it out over Detroit this last week, and they they barely beat Kansas City the week before. Um, the Raiders, the Chargers are, are very good, coming off a good win against Kansas City. Um, and then, obviously, the Panthers playing Dallas. Dallas looked really good. Dak was firing on all cylinders. The run game looked good. There's a very, very solid possibility all five of these teams lose this week. Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously, well, no. There's going to be one undefeated team. Yeah. Because the Rams and the Cardinals play each other. So I'm going to lean towards the better. I what I think is the better team out of the two. I think it's the Rams. Okay. So I'm glad you didn't take my team, and okay. I slightly cheated because I write these, so I sometimes prepare my arguments in advance. Okay. I think the Panthers sneak by the Cowboys this week. Okay. Then they have the Eagles, Vikings, Giants, Falcons, Patriots. And then they don't play the Cardinals until after that. Good Lord. So I think if they sneak by this game, I really don't see a loss. Maybe the Patriots, maybe the Cardinals, maybe the Cowboys. Yeah, they. I mean, if they get past the Cowboys and get to 4-0... I think they sit at eight and zero for sure, and that's the longest by yeah, far. Yeah, and yeah, I don't think any other team really has a chance to go eight and zero. To so be honest, with I you. think they have a tough break this week, but I think if they get by this week, they really, they really have a good shot of yeah. being the longest undefeated I, team. I could definitely see that. 
I think I kind of focus more on this week more than anything, but yeah. I do like – I think the Panthers is definitely a solid pick. I And you know if you've listened to us that we are kind of all in on the Panthers. I like Sam Darnold. I like Matt Rule. So do I. Yeah, we like that team I a think CMC – I'm curious to see how Chuba Hubbard does now stepping into the role at running back, seeing how much the offense has to change. But they have weapons. Like it they, shouldn't, it shouldn't be the end of the world. If like they get sixty to seventy yards on the ground. He has Robbie Anderson and he has DJ Moore. They have weapons to throw to. Yeah. So it's curious. Here we go. Is Sam Donald for real? Yes. No run game to rely on. You're back in New York, except you actually have receivers to throw to. Can you get it done? We'll see. All right. Next one we're gonna do is pick one rule to change. So we've got the overtime rule. We've got taunting. I've got the accessories rule, so that would be jewelry, chains, um, all of that kind of fun stuff. Yep. And the amount of teams in the playoffs. I get first pick. Yeah, you this got time. first pick. Yeah, because you, you got first pick last time. True. I think the one that bothers me the most is the overtime rule. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. And I can't remember who proposed this. I did read about it, and I thought, like, wow, this is a genius way. Um, someone said if you're still tied at, so one, you don't do sudden death in overtime. Agreed. So, so you do a set period. So like we won't do a full period. So let's, let's call it like seven minutes. So yeah. you do seven minutes of overtime. NFL quarters are 15. So like, yeah, 15, seven to 10, somewhere se- in there. Somewhere in that ballpark. And then after it's, if both teams are still tied, you kick a 50, you, you flip a coin. I think Russell Wilson proposed this. You flip a coin and whoever wins the coin toss can either decide to kick a 56-yard field goal or decide to have the other team kick it. You make it, you win, you miss it, you lose. Okay. That's definitely interesting. Is there a reason it's 56 yards? I, I don't know if he – I think he just picked like a just a longer, pass 50 yards. Yeah, longer field goal. I mean, I'm all for it. Baltimore's winning every OT game we go to. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm chilling. Um, and I think it would make kickers like – we're slowly devaluing them on kickoffs and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it would put an interesting value on kickers for like these overtime situations. I would agree. I saw I saw a league that um, is a fantasy league, and they've decided to flip how they score kickers to where it's like the more extra points and field goals they miss, mm-hmm. the more points they get you, which is a really weird way. But like the way you explain it, so like when you scout it, so you really have to pick a kicker that's not going to do well but also isn't going to get cut. So, like, it's a really weird fine line of, yeah. like, I don't think you go negative for them making anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, so, like, Greg Zerline week one would have been a steal. steal. Like, he's putting up 25. What a weird thing. So, it's super weird, but, like, the kicker spot's like, ah, who's... Okay, quick break in the action for you. Sorry, I definitely unplugged my mic and kind of killed the momentum there. But, so, so it's really weird, like, to kind of look, because obviously kickers are like, people are like, oh, who's the best kicker? Or, like, who's a good kicker on a really good offense? Mm-hmm. So it was a really weird thing that, like, I kind of saw, and I was like, it's interesting, because it kind of adds spice. Like, we do punters in our league. I don't think that's any weirder than doing punters. So. That's true. I love, I love punters. Jake Bailey, that's my boy right Adding there. weird. I mean, I love Sam Cook. I love my punter in Baltimore, too. So, for the brand. Um so for my rule to change, I don't know if I love – like I can't off the top of my head say if I love that rule. It's got to change regardless. Right. There should not be ties in the National Football League. No, I don't want to play seven overtimes like we do in college every once in a while. There's got to be an end all. I would like to see double overtime be a thing. 
I think if we get to double OT, maybe we go to the 56-yard field goal challenge. Or something. That's, yeah. That's what the point is. So maybe if we play like 10 minutes and then we play five or something. Like, So if you manage the clock really well in the second OT and you just kick a field goal and you win it, okay. Yeah. But like there's got to be – there should not be ties. Because like this week, if the Cardinals and the Rams tie in overtime, that fucks that division. Yeah. Like that division is – it was the Wild West. I don't even know what to call it now because it's upgraded somehow and got even worse. Right. Even more wild and even worse. Really so. my three and three theory. Yeah, it does. It just stabs it right, right in the chest. Um, I'd like to – the taunting rule has to – I think all these rules kind of have to change, except for the amount of the teams in the playoffs. The taunting mm-hmm. – you can't tell me that, like, a running back runs for 15 yards and drags three guys for the last six yards – gets up and, like, does a first down in a defensive lineman's face, I can't penalize that guy. Yeah. Like, if he's excessively, like, in somebody's face, maybe. Okay, but, like, the stuff we saw in the preseason, I don't think it's really affected too many games so far that I've seen. There's been a couple. Through the regular season. I've seen a couple. I thought it was going to be worse than it is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I want to change that. And also the accessories rule. Just, like, the watches maybe. Like, I don't want it to be a player safety thing. There's glass that can break on that and everything. Yeah. Chains are a little – got to be careful with how big it is and, like, how long it is flopping around everywhere. But, like, yeah. the the color of my cleats should not matter. The color of my arm sleeves really shouldn't matter. Give them a chance to accessorize. Make 100%. It like, like, it's – there's not a damn fan in, in the universe of the NFL that's like, I refuse to watch the Browns because Odell's wearing a pink arm sleeve. Or, yeah. He had the supreme arm sleeve. Yeah, I'm, oh. there's not a damn person in the world that cares. And if they are, it's a very, very minuscule group of people. Right. So and, and those fans probably don't watch the NFL anymore anyway. Exactly. The whole national anthem situation. 100%. Like, We've lost those guys in the last long, two years. Long gone at this point, yeah, so. agreed. All right, preview, week four. What games are we running through? I think we're going to read an ad first. We are. Know. Thank you, sir. Look at that. Keep me on my toes. I appreciate that. So, last ad we got for you guys is going to be Spatial Audio. I believe this is the last time we're doing Spatial Audio, so big shout out to them as well. Spatial Audio is based on Dolby Atmos. It's an immersive sound surround sound audio format that enables musicians to mix the music so it sounds like the instruments are all around you in the space. Thousands of Apple Music songs are already available in Spatial Audio as of last week, such as Lady Gaga's Rain On Me and Kanye West's Black Skinhead. Spatial Audio is available to all Apple Music subscribers at no additional cost. The streaming music service costs $9.99 per month for individuals, $4.99 per month for students, and $14.99 per month for families of up to six people. 75 million songs, the world's most popular playlists, easy access to new music, unlimited skips, experts curated playlists exclusive content download and listen offline always ad free services not by song i am uh, as much as people may crucify me i am an apple music uh user i i am i am that guy yeah I thought that that was the more popular choice for a long time. Apparently, I am completely wrong. You had sheltered experience, my friend. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on my mom's family plan, so there's not much I can really do about it. I like Apple Music. I had Spotify for a long time. I never paid for it. I think that's why I was Spotify before, but, I mean, if my mom's paying for a family plan, I'm going to take what's free to right. me in the long run. And you guys so. should be signing up with your friends. Yeah, dude, just get – I. you can't tell me you ain't got three or four friends 
to sign up for Apple Music in the long run. You know, get you some spatial audio. The Dolby Atmos stuff is crazy. Like, I'll have to show a couple people the the Marvin Gaye track where they kind of run through the airs of music. It's crazy to see the difference between, like, it is truly, like, that immersive kind of, like, IMAX for your ears type, you know, situation. So, I love it. I'm a big Apple Music guy. It is what it is. Judge me if you want to. I don't. I don't control what my mom pays for in the long run. So, check it out. Check that's it out. that's my that's my fallback. Sorry, you can't crucify me for it. I'm not paying for it. So, <laughs> preview week four. All right, what games we got? To run through these because we're we're getting we're at our ninety minute. Yeah. Line, so we're trying to trying to keep the show on pace here. Panthers Cowboys. I think one. It'll be a great test for the Panthers to see if they're legit. Yep. Same thing for the Cowboys. Agreed. I think they showed out really well in week three. Panthers have also had a very good defense, just like Arizona has uh, through three weeks. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Their offensive line's a little banged up, and Brian Burns is having a career year right now, of course, and a contract year. Of course he is. Yeah, of course. Those guys love to have great contracts. Yes, they do. Um, Rams Cardinals, we've talked a lot about both those teams so far. Yeah. It speaks for itself. I think the game speaks for itself, and honestly, any game that's inside the, the NFC West this year, even if it's Seahawks 49ers, circle it. It's a key game. I'm not sure my microphone's getting picked up. It's definitely not. Oh, darn it. Has it been this whole time? I, I think so. Uh, Son of a gun. Chargers, Raiders. I'm just going to read it to you and you can okay. respond to this. Okay, so I'll try to lean over. Maybe we can get some action here. Uh, Chargers, Raiders. I think it's the same thing as the NFC West. The AFC West is very close. Uh, it's a battle of a 2-1 and team coming off the win against Kansas City versus the 3-0 and Raiders in the long run. Um Obviously going to be a game to watch going forward to see if Kansas City doesn't finish first, this could possibly be a deciding factor of who does win that division in the long run. Patriots, Bucks. Patriots, Bucks. Obviously the storyline is there. Tom Brady returns to Gillette Stadium for the first time in a Tampa Bay uniform. Um, I know that it's going to be a chess match between Bill and Tom of what they remember about each other and what they're going to scheme up. Roster-wise, I don't think the storylines... I think it's purely it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You take one of those two guys out, this game is a wash. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay should win handedly, but who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick's got the defensive scheme to attack his old quarterback. Emotional for, to say the very Oh, 100%. Yeah, I feel bad for Patriots fans this week since it's going to be a, a torn, a, a 50-50 split, I feel like, for a lot of fans. And then Broncos-Ravens. Broncos-Ravens. Um here we go. Another test. Um, Baltimore did good. Closed out a uh, game against Kansas City. They played Detroit two years ago, and they won on another game-winning field goal. So, for some reason, whenever Baltimore visits Detroit, it's the worst game you could ever watch as a Ravens fan. We play extremely sloppy in Detroit for some reason. Got to bounce back. As much as I don't like the Broncos as a 3-0 team, they are still 3-0. They're definitely a threat in the long run. They're a very well-balanced team. It is in Denver. So I like my chances if it comes down to a to a kicking contest. It could be entertaining. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be an entertaining game. We'll see if the Ravens can get their three defensive linemen uh, off the COVID list. They lost Brandon Williams, and um, Derek Wolf has been out for a, a majority of the year, and Justin Mabuke was also on the uh, COVID list. So I think the key to Denver's success so far has been running the ball and not being one-dimensional with Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see if they can continue to do that against a banged-up Ravens defense. So, 
It's going to do it for week two. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, I can't pin it on Tim. It was definitely my fault when I unplugged my mic. So he's been running without a mic these last parts. But hopefully we got through it for you guys. Um, That is episode three of the Owen Show. Um, In the meantime, stay healthy. Watch some football. We'll see you guys next week.